Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bitcoin in Asia from Bitcoin Magazine. I'm John Riggins, and our guest this week is Leo Weiss, a longtime Bitcoiner in Hong Kong and a co-founder and president of the Bitcoin Association of Hong Kong. The Bitcoin Association has been a significant advocate for and communicator about Bitcoin since 2014, as it has established one of the strongest Bitcoin communities in Asia and one of its most recent initiatives, an advertising campaign highlighting Bitcoin's traits and potential as magic internet money, digital gold, among other taglines, has made waves both in Hong Kong and around the world, really. We discuss how that came to be, why the quotes and taglines are timely, why Leo thinks we need to be thinking bigger about Bitcoin's potential in light of monetary policy and the structure of capital flows around the world today, and much more. Additionally, support from this podcast comes from Paxful. Uh, at Paxful, they believe that Bitcoin is more than just a digital currency. It's a new way of life that's going to completely disrupt the global financial system. Paxful is a people-powered marketplace for money transfers with anyone, anywhere, at any time. Using over 300 different payment methods, you can buy and sell Bitcoin using bank transfers, cash, and even gift cards. With borderless transactions, the ability to start a business, and opportunities for social good, Paxful is set to change the world. Create an account today to get your free Bitcoin wallet and begin trading right away. You'll never look at your money the same way again. Certainly agree that uh, Bitcoin allows you to never look at money the same way again. And it's a topic of this conversation with Leo. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Leo, welcome to the show, man. Long time no see. Welcome. Uh, well, have, thank you for having me back. <laughs> for sure. Welcome virtually to Hong Kong. Yeah, man. I'm re ready to get back. I'm mi missing it over there. Uh, and uh, going to be missing the, the weather here as winter starts over here, for sure. Yeah, we're going to have a very nice winter. <laughs> the, the winter of the decade, I hear. I'm, I'm jealous. Yeah, but, uh, bright skies, factory still closed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're very familiar with you at Bitcoin Magazine, obviously, but uh, for those who don't quite uh, know you yet, can you give kind of a just brief intro of yourself and uh, what you're doing in the space now? Um, we're a group of people who started the Bitcoin meetup in 2012 um, that I've been organizing since about 2012. Um, we quickly morphed into a group of people who are very serious about uh, Bitcoin in Hong Kong. And we believe that there's a very uh, bright future, both for Bitcoin and specifically for uh, Bitcoin in Hong Kong. In 2014, we decided that things are moving so rapidly. Um, Bitcoin is developing so quickly and uh, finding its first uh, adopters in, in, in Hong Kong, finding feedback from the government, from regulators, finding also a lot of attention, uh, pushback from banks that we formed the Bitcoin Association of Hong Kong as a more organized group of people who would um, inform the public, who would educate like all these uh, what, what we all call stakeholders, um, who would respond to curious, um, mainly from the media and from regulators um, and from other industry associations. Um, and over 2015, 16, 17, 18, the community and the association have only grown. Um, it's been, of course, a little bit of, a, of an up and down, as you can, um, as, as, as it always happens in crypto. Uh, but yeah, we're now at a point where uh, Bitcoin is starting to be relatively established and also quite well known. Um, For sure. How do we how do we proceed? Where, what's the next step? What do we actually want from the banks? What do we want from the industry associations? What do we want from the government? These are all questions that we currently evolve around. Sure. And so the Bitcoin Association of Hong Kong uh, starts in 2014, kind of from this group that had been in Bitcoin already for a couple of years, wanted some more organization around the uh, you know, communication to press, uh, 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 liaising with institutions and whoever else was interested in what was happening. So, you know, people think about these kind of Bitcoin meetups around the world, the Bitcoin Association of Hong Kong, you know, you might go to Hong Kong and go to a meetup that's run by the Bitcoin Association, but it's more than that. It's an organization that, that uh, kind of takes on more responsibility. Um, yeah. Uh, so I do still think that our strengths are mainly in, uh, in networking and mm -hmm. in bringing people together, especially as they come from outside of Hong Kong, especially as they 
um, network among each other in Hong Kong. Our meetups are still very grassroots, they're open for everybody. Um, we have people from all walks of life answering, asking us all kinds of questions, as well as people who've been long-time Bitcoiners and uh, people who are interested in the tech, interested in trading, interested in investing, interested in politics. Uh, we do also have member meetups. Um, currently, all uh, currently everything is virtual. But we've had a few, we've had a few meetups this year. Help yeah. me to go back to, to that in October. These in these member meetups are a bit more focused. They often have a specific agenda. They have special guests. They are also meant a little bit to create a, um, a more formal atmosphere. Um, they're not necessarily just at a pub where anybody can just walk in, but they have a, have a schedule and they have a more uh, formal. Yeah, idea. what kind of topics have, have y'all had recently? Um, so recently we've been talking about peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin trading. Um, we've been talking about um, Bitcoin core development. We've been talking about uh, derivatives trading. Um, partly, these topics are driven by us. This is just something that we want to talk about. I currently want to talk about uh, Lightning a lot. I think that's mm -hmm. in the Hong Kong community still seen as a bit of a niche topic. Um, others are driven simply by um, general industry trends. Right now, everybody's everybody's starting a derivatives exchange. Um, yeah. so let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's talk about how. Uh, how this might resemble some uh, problematic trends that have existed in things like binary options, um, where there's actually some innovations. Um, I think generally we've been always very Bitcoin focused as a community, but uh, at the moment there's a lot of chit chat around like what actually is DeFi and um, there's still more people who don't know what DeFi is than people who really do um, mm -hmm. and still more questions and answers. Uh, but at the moment, this is also something we entertain ourselves with. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the current trends are always going to be um, something that's discussed for sure. And then uh, also, the I guess the spot conference is something that, that uh, Hong Kong um, yeah. um, Association has been so a, a our, big event every summer. Yeah, so our international highlights. Um, in 2015, we've organized Scaling Bitcoin Hong Kong. And that was mm -hmm. quite a massive event. Um, that was also our first large event and, and still one of the most exciting things to, to have organized. In 2018 and 2019, we organized Spot Conference, uh, which is a conference specifically for cryptocurrency exchanges and kind of the ecosystems around them. So there are uh, legal service providers, there's technological service providers, uh, custody, um, there's traders, there's investors, but it also circles around that topic of exchanging cryptocurrency. I think as, a, as an industry-focused conference, it's much more enjoyable to, um, yeah, to organize as for a very general event. I think especially in Asia, cryptocurrency trading as a mass event um, still means you need to cater to tons of questionable topics or boring boring trends and sketchy industry players and being able to focus on in our case cryptocurrency exchanges which we do have an abundance of in hong kong which we do think hong kong plays a very important role in allowed us to demonstrate that we do provide some kind of value to the community while at the same time really focusing on, on what Hong Kong already does best and then making sure that all these people are connected to, um, yeah, their counterparts in, in the United States, or Europe or other parts of Asia. Mm -hmm. For sure. Uh, and I really think about uh, the association kind of being the anchor for Bitcoin really in all of Asia. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, stayed Bitcoin uh, kind of to the core for, for its entire existence hasn't, um, you know, I think everywhere else yeah. you kind of saw it, you know, things break off into ICO talk and stuff and 17 <laughs> and whatnot. But Hong Kong, yeah. uh, yeah. y'all stayed, stayed BTC and, focused. I mean, there, are lots of, there are quite a few long living Bitcoin communities. Um, I think the Bitcoin Association of Hong Kong does stick a bit out as being relatively inclusive yet Bitcoin focused. 
in terms of unified branding over a longer time. Uh, but in Tokyo, in Seoul, in Taipei, in Ho Chi Minh City, all these communities also exist. And they're actually also quite lively and they're very much for sure. checking out. Not to take away from, from any of those. For sure. <laughs> What's what's uh and you know I think the last time we saw each other was in uh, Ho Chi Minh was in Saigon uh, where they yeah. also have a strong community. Um, yeah, that was so, November. Um, yeah, that was really fun. Um, I think in these kind of communities or these kind of events, um, especially in the year two thousand nineteen, it's much more productive to uh, to network. It's much more productive and much more enjoyable to to hang out. Um, it almost makes you fear of these communities becoming too successful and becoming too overrun. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it, these events still feel like like our early meetups of, of a small groups of focused and very smart people um, who all who all spread into the world to build something great. Yeah, there's there's uh you know as as it gets bigger and more established there's gonna be nostalgia for those those times but you can always be able to find it uh with, with kind of the network of people still still around too yeah um and so the the thing that has gotten a lot of i mean really international attention uh in the, the past week um are some ads that have spun out um from from it's the brainchild of, of y'all uh maybe just uh give us the kind of genesis of these ads uh just kind of brief overview of like what they are first uh, and, and how they came to be, why uh, now, um, that sort of thing. We've been talking for a while about how can we promote Bitcoin or how much should we promote Bitcoin and who should be the one promoting Bitcoin. Um, there's actually not a very, there's not no strict conclusion about this. Like we're very, uh, very impressed with the positive responses we get, but we are aware that some people say, no, it's, it's Bitcoin. It doesn't need an advertising campaign or who even take pride in saying, you know, like Bitcoin doesn't need ads. Bitcoin gets to where it is now without, uh, without Super Bowl ads. Um, and yet we feel that especially right now, Bitcoin actually is doing really well. And it's not exactly getting the kind of, um, the kind of spot in public conversation that it deserves to be, because it is a very important uh, puzzle piece to what's happening in, in the world, especially in the financial markets, especially economically in mm -hmm. 2020. And so we felt maybe it is time to give that a nudge a little bit, to create something that gets a lot of eyeballs, um, to create something that's memorable, uh, to create something that we can later always easily point at, um, something that yeah, has like a, a, a permanent, creates a permanent record of something mm -hmm. that the community has done. And um, ideally we can, around that, raise a couple of questions that we want to talk about. Like we do want to talk about inflation. And we do want to talk about the risk of, of, of money printing. Of, we do want to talk about the, um, um, what are, how the, how the stock market is doing um, and this, we do want to talk about banks and it all came together into a campaign that is trying to be tame in the sense that it's not, it's not meant to offend anybody. And yet the people who it's addressing uh, know exactly that they're being addressed. So partly that's being done through key locations. Um, so we have ads outside of the HSBC headquarters, outside of the um, historical Bank of China building in Hong Kong outside of Standard Chartered. Um, some of these ads run alongside ads for HSBC or other banks. Um, mm -hmm. The other big billboard in, in Central, right next to the big, big Bitcoin billboards, the Citibank billboard. Um, so that is, of course, uh, intentional and that's also symbolic, um, but it's not, it's not meant to be a, a, a finger pointed at the bank. It's just. Mm -hmm. Saying, hey, there's there's an alternative too. Yeah, not not necessarily antagonistic, just bringing kind of Bitcoin's purpose back into the consciousness in a bigger way. Yeah. And so these these ads, they're on billboards, they're on buses, they're on uh, you know bus. They're, they're mainly uh, on trams uh, and billboards. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, three double-decker trams that are running east-west along Hong Kong Island, 
and uh, the one big billboard outside of HSBC and then 20 billboards spread around the uh, Hong Kong island. Heck yeah. And I think the uh, the trams are what are the images that I think uh, I've seen shared the most. I mean, thousands of interactions on Twitter. Uh, the popular, they look good. Who who, who designed the these billboard? Days? The the billboard was put up overnight, and uh -huh. so as people went to work in the morning, uh, they did share images of the billboards. That's what that's what was going around social media first. Um, mm -hmm. So even before I got up in the morning. People had already posted a couple of pictures. <laughs> I'm personally most excited about the trams. I think they, they're I like trams and I think um, that's the most iconic thing. Uh, it's one of the most iconic things about Hong Kong in general, the double-decker trams. For sure. And having them, having them go up and down Hong Kong Island, I think is a very beautiful image. Uh, but they took a few hours and they were, they were only getting into circulation like throughout Friday. You can imagine mm -hmm. us like waiting and looking at our our windows, waiting for these trams for sure. to pass. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Now, do you do you take the tram uh, daily and kind of your commutes? I I, I guess I not daily on a commute, but whenever whenever I have time, I would take a tram. Um, it costs yeah, yeah. about thirty five US cents. Um, you just hop on, hop off, and it is a very scenic route. Depending on where you're going, it's even slightly more convenient than a bus or a, or a subway. Um, you mainly take it if you have a, have a little bit of extra time uh, and enjoy the scenic view. Yeah, nice experience. I think, I think Shenwan to Central is my, my most uh, common tram. Uh, yeah, route. yeah. What the, but you what should the, take it all the way to the end. Should, I if you see the should Bitcoin do. tram, you should not get into the Bitcoin tram, but get into the one after that. So you get, <laughs> so, to, yeah. get to follow the Bitcoin tram around. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, and there are kind of a couple of parts of these ads. Uh, you have a quote, uh, you know, a, a selection of quotes um, spread spread between uh, the locations. Uh, a hashtag, uh, you know, they're all orange. Bitcoin is kind of the, you know, the biggest thing that you see too. Yeah. Talk about the selection of the quotes, kind of some of the themes that you wanted to get across. I think they're all, yeah. you know, all very uh, carefully chosen, I think, and all relevant. Yeah, so we did want to talk about Bitcoin as uh, a new type of money. Um, and we wanted to pin that a little bit against uh, the US dollar, um, which in Hong Kong has like a very strong relevance. The Hong mm -hmm. Kong dollar is pegged, fixed pegged to the US dollar. It's the longest running peg. It's uh, the most solid peg. Um, but that also means that our economy is dominated by the US dollar. It means that when the US dollar, when it means when the Fed is printing US dollars, that actually trickles very quickly into our asset prices as well. Mm -hmm. So over the last, over the last uh, 10 years, um, we've seen asset prices increasing massively in Hong Kong and also much to the, um, to the, to the harm of the local economy as, as more and more shops, um, yeah, as, as, as the central business model of the city becomes owning property. Right? It, yeah, and no when you say asset prices, you're, I mean, a, a large part of what you're referring to is property. Uh, I'm about property and stock, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but that even includes things like taxi medallions, which uh, which is still protective. Anything that um, anything that the government uh, only gives out in small quantities has mm -hmm. seen a massive increase, and that becomes the central business model of the city. Everybody's just buying and selling real estate. People aren't providing services or building products anymore. Uh, shops are staying empty because the rent you can make from them is irrelevant compared to the increase of, of property value. Uh, mm -hmm. Entire streets aren't being redeveloped. Often entire housing blocks aren't being rented out or aren't sold because some big hedge fund buys the entire block and chooses to just sit on it for a few years. And uh, with borrowed money, uh, it's, a, it's a foolproof, it's a foolproof uh, uh, return. And so we want to talk about these things. Um, Meaning we, we group a couple of our quotes and facts together into, into a theme for um, digital gold. Let's talk mm -hmm. about that. Um, I think nobody has to live inside of a Bitcoin. Um, that makes Bitcoin a much more uh, ethical investment than real estate. But eventually people also only buy real estate because of, because of its scarcity. Um, people often say, sure, you you but you can eventually you can live in the apartment that you buy but 
you can live in a lot of things, right? You can live in a shipping container, you can live in a car. We don't buy these things because we can eventually live in them. We buy the apartment because the government somewhat guarantees us that this piece of paper is limited edition. So if you had a big building block that collapsed or that gets torn down, the value of these pieces of paper barely goes down uh, because you can still trade that right that the government gives you um, mm -hmm. to build an apartment block. If, if, if what we were investing as saying that we're investing in real estate because you can eventually live in it is a bit like saying we're investing in gold because you can wear this jewelry. Um, like it might be factually true, but we don't invest in a lot of other stuff that would make such nice as jewelry. Mm -hmm. The other group of quotes that we have evolve more about the prospects of, of Bitcoin as a technology, Bitcoin as an inclusive technology, um, be your own bank, but also Bitcoin as, um, yeah, as new, as, as, as also something that can induce quite threatening change, right? Like the, I quite like this idea. It's, uh, it's from a novel of uh, Stuart Brand, um, where he talks about the steamroller as a technology that uh, flattens everything in its path. And you're either then flat on the road or you're part of the steamroller. Mm -hmm. You're either, um, the other, the, the other imagery is a bit of snowball effect, right? Um, if you're not, if you're not part of it, then, um, then you're the one being overrun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that, uh, the imagery of that quote was, uh, yeah, pretty stark. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other quote is by um, T.A.M. Craven. He was FCC commissioner. Um, it's mainly a testament to how little imagination we often have about the transformative changes that happen around us. I mean, T.A.M. Craven would have, he would have lived through the through the Sputnik uh, moment. Um, he would have seen Soviets um, shooting the first satellites into space. And he would have also seen their limited ability to, um, yeah, they were communicating with quite, um, quite rudimentary radio um, back then. Uh, but despite being commissioner of the SFC and despite overseeing all this technological change, uh, he was unable to have the imagination of what this could eventually be used for. I think the, the other famous quotes are. Um, yeah, and the, the quote from, uh, from uh, the FCC commissioner was, there's practically no chance that space satellites will, would be used to improve phone, telegraph, TV, and radio service. So, you know, e even from the, the things that he picks out to uh, say that won't be improved, <laughs> you see how, uh, you know, much things have developed since then and how satellites are, you know, integral to and take history, us past is, those history is full of these examples, right? People mm -hmm. never, people didn't believe that the internet would be able to, uh, to stream movies. Um, people didn't believe that, that there would be a demand for, uh, more than a couple of home computers and often these organizations and these people have been very much, yeah, uh, being rolled over by a new technology. Um, mm -hmm. This is also a, often this, this is called institutional blindness, which is a term I quite like, that often as an institution, a government or a regulatory body or a company is unable to react to certain changes that the individuals in that company are seeing. Um, and so, I'm curious how this is going to play out over the next weeks and months, uh, because we very much do expect that the individuals who see these advertisements in the morning are able to foresee or are at least able to imagine um, what potential Bitcoin might bring or what benefits Bitcoin might bring to themselves. Yes, yeah, so that's that's an interesting uh, kind of concept that, that you bring up. So individuals, all these, all these companies, they're in central Hong Kong, all the banks, um, you know, all kind of the institutions there, uh, they're seeing these, uh, how does it affect kind of how they think about their work uh, and yeah. just also the kind of stagnation of these institutions and how they're hard to change from the inside. Yeah, so who knows? So, so I think if you look at the members and the, especially the co-founders of the Bitcoin Association, many, many of them do have a background in finance and mm -hmm. um, some of them have tried to, yeah, 
tell their coworkers or tell their bosses about um, about Bitcoin. Um, but once they left these organizations and started something themselves, they actually ended up quite successful. Um, and maybe yeah. <laughs> and maybe we can inspire more people who get out there, start their own thing, um, and build on Bitcoin. For sure. And uh, and it's still so early is kind of the thing that we, you know, you've been in, you've been around since 2012, uh, and people can kind of think, look at that, and say, wow, you know, it's so late. But it really is still so early. Do you have any thoughts on that? And I guess some of the success that you've seen people, uh, you know, who are kind of in that early association group, um, have on their own after leaving finance. I guess I mean there are some you know massive you know examples. Obviously, any thoughts on kind of watching that happen and then kind of the opportunity that's still there? I think for it's not so much the price that is the main advantage of having been in Bitcoin earlier, but more of having seen a lot of other projects attempt over and over again the same things. Mm -hmm. um, in 2012, everything you could do with Bitcoin was practically a scam. Um, everything you could buy online with Bitcoin was a scam. Um, most of the wallets that you could use were a scam. Um, the, this created like a very strong distrust, right? Like keep Bitcoiners from that time, they think everybody's just out there to take their Bitcoin and, uh, and run away with them. Um, mm -hmm. But that also created like a learning environment in which things were looked at very, very critically. Um, and over the years, I think there have been a lot of projects or a lot of, are a lot of things you can do with Bitcoins that are not scams. Um, and yet, when people today get into Bitcoin, they don't have this historical knowledge of, of all the things that have been poorly attempted and of all the, of all the big promises that never worked out. Um, mm -hmm. Seeing the coin market cap just wildly fluctuate from <laughs> year to year. Um, I think if I got into Bitcoin today, I would probably also very quickly turn to like shitcoinery I'd probably yeah. also very quickly try to diversify my portfolio and uh, believe in a lot of these outrageous promises that are being made to investors. And I probably it's enticing. Yeah. everything today. Um, that's, that's really like a, like a gift that, that we were given five to eight years ago um, that people no longer get today. Um, and that's a bit of a shame and, trying to figure out how we can address this better. Um, but it's also true that nowadays people no longer learn about Bitcoin first. They no longer go to the Bitcoin meetup first and then hear about all the other stuff that is going on. Um, so it's no longer easy to tell people, hey, um, don't invest too much. Um, always keep your own custody. Be, be aware of, of investment schemes. Um, mm -hmm. The um, the one second the Bitcoin community today is sadly a bit isolated. Uh, they they're very excited about like their. They're very excited about their little, um, their little use case that they might have discussed for themselves, but they, they kind of stopped dreaming. I hope that makes sense. Uh, I think the Bitcoin community in 2015 was not more inclusive because they tolerated scams. They were more inclusive because they tolerated big ideas. And mm -hmm. today, one thing that makes the Bitcoin community very strong is its focus on small problems. Like Bitcoiners and Bitcoin projects and especially Bitcoin developers are incredibly good at focusing on hours for little optimizations in scripting or signatures or um, transaction propagation. But we've lost a bit our ability to, to dream big and to think about how, how could 
Bitcoin really change the world. And these, these big ideas have, because of that, kind of left Bitcoin, um, even though they would often still be, um, they should still be at home in Bitcoin. And these big ideas lure people away into, um, into other communities, some of which um, really enjoyable, um, and some of which are very like scammy. Okay, so so uh, when I hear you say that, I and I think about some of the um, specific advertisements that y'all have out. Uh, so the kind of themes of two of the themes that you have are um, hashtag digital gold. So Bitcoin is digital gold. Um, hashtag be your own bank. You know, be your own bank, hold your own keys. You kind of touched on that and what you just said. So I feel like those those two things are still pretty central to um, that Bitcoin community that you talk about. Uh, and are, you know, things that are important uh, kind of truths uh, of, of that. Where, where do you see kind of the, can you go a little bit deeper on where you see kind of the lack of long-term vision, the lack of kind of big, I guess, picture possibility? Um, and then like, what's, what's missing, I guess? What's the, is it this, you know, and to stick on kind of the themes of what your, um, what y'all's ads are, global internet money. Are we, are we missing a part where, a piece of Bitcoin being I money. I do think very much. I do think very much right now as a community, we're missing the money part. Um, mm -hmm. We are very strong on the digital gold part. We have really internalized the arguments of what makes Bitcoin a better alternative to gold, um, especially because it aligns with our philosophies of self-verification, of self-custody, of, mm -hmm. um, of of running your own node, um, because that's where Bitcoins. Um, advantages are very easy to explain, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you compare it to gold. Let's imagine you, you meet a stranger to buy gold. How do you verify if that gold really is exactly as heavy as they say they are and isn't like watered down or really is gold? And with gold, that's quite difficult, which is why we don't have like a functional peer-to-peer -peer market. We rely on, on stamps and we rely on, um, on holograms and we rely on, on chips to verify through third parties that this gold is real. And with Bitcoin, it's very easy to explain, hey, you have a smartphone and that smartphone can make that um, decision for you, can make cryptographically verify that this, these are real Bitcoin and it's not some, some fork or some, some illusion that you're getting. Um, mm -hmm. Similarly with um, making, making gold divisible, it's very hard, right? You need to sell it for cash and then you can divide that cash. But with Bitcoin, you can divide that directly. So I think those arguments are all very, very, um, Good. And that's something that we like to um, um, we like to highlight. But mm -hmm. if I could focus on something, then this is that this Bitcoin really has the the opportunity to become money. Um, and that's just so much of a bigger and much more transformative idea than to just say we have a new type of gold. And I also believe that if Bitcoin really just is a new type of gold, then it's its potential, even just in monetary terms, uh, but also in transformative terms, um, is just a tiny fraction of what it can be if it's money. Um, mm -hmm. But for it to be money, we need to also use it as money. We need to uh, spend it. We need to accept it. Um, we might need to um, uh, price things in, in, in that money. And I think currently as a community, if I'm following conversations in, in our meetup or online or at both um, written or um, in, in a podcast, then I think this, this idea of, of what we have like hashtag global internet money, mm -hmm. or we also have a hashtag magical, uh, magic internet money. Yeah, magic is, internet money. <laughs> is uh, a bit underrepresented. And I think it's incredibly important. I think. Bitcoin in the long run really only has a chance if it establishes itself as money. It doesn't need to establish itself as money for everybody. It can be the currency of the internet or it can be the currency of, even if it's just a currency of the cypherpunks, um, then, then that's probably still okay. Um, but for if people are using it exclusively to invest or to um, store value, then Bitcoin will not have enough liquidity to have somewhat of a stable price. Um, it will not be, uh, it will not be easy to acquire. It will not be easy to sell. 
um, it will not be uh, it will not have a very harmonious price um, globally and a good example of of bitcoin's promises of store value being tied to money is spending your money is often the only way to really liquidate or benefit anonymously from your Bitcoin holdings. Um, in the long run, that's really the only thing where we can, we can somewhat expect to be able to, um, yeah, anonymously use Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. For just as how our society and our financial system works today, if we want to liquidate foreign currency, for example, or if we want to liquidate gold, or if we want to liquidate Bitcoin, um, then it's relatively easy for the regulator or for the state or for the banks to put barriers there um, to create cost, um, to um, remove liquidity, and to ultimately find out how many Bitcoins you have so that they can later be seized. Uh, but as soon as you can spend currency as currency, then you have the ability to um, use it to pay for dinner or use it to buy mm -hmm. a used car or, uh, or pay for your, for your travels or pay for your living expenses. And we need, to, we need to actively focus on building a world where we can do that with Bitcoin if we want Bitcoin to be attractive enough for people to really like, save up in. And that's where then Bitcoin can be um, like a magnitude better than gold. That's where Bitcoin can then be a magnitude better than the US dollar, um, which is still quite popularly used to stash away um, savings. Um, not because people expect the US dollar to keep its value over the next five years, but because they know that if they put their US dollars into their sailboat and they sail to the Philippines, then they will be able to buy stuff with it there. They'll be able to use They'll it. Be able to feed, feed, feed themselves, or um, if they then sell a sailboat, they will accept um, US dollars, um, probably over gold and sadly also over Bitcoin, um, because they will be able to take these US dollars and, and buy themselves a plane ticket somewhere or a car. Um, and for Bitcoin to take that place, people will need to accept it knowing that they can easily and anonymously get rid of it again. Yeah, well, I think that's all well said. Um, and uh, the, that's really the, kind of where the magic aspect, you know, which you hit on in, in the ads kind of really comes into play is when you, when you can use it, uh, you know, quickly anywhere in the world. That's, that's kind of where I felt the most magic yeah. um, with Bitcoin, not necessarily just like seeing the price, you know, price go up, number go up. So uh, yeah. with you on these things, um, and uh, I guess a, a quick aside, uh, at Bitcoin Magazine, you know, we, we kind of are seeing kind of a, a similar, uh, I guess, kind of not, you know, similar situation. Uh, and we're kind of making a push for kind of that hyper Bitcoinization world and, and uh, kind of the Bitcoin circular economy with Bitcoin Black Friday this year, uh, which I think uh, Bitcoin essentially in Hong Kong will have, have some things that, uh, yeah. including a model train car with, with these ads on that you can get. So <laughs> not, not, yes. not too much of a plug there, but I think it's an in interesting uh, <laughs> Interesting aside. Yeah. Um, yeah. Spend, your, and, spend uh, your Bitcoin, people. Don't be afraid to spend <laughs> your Bitcoin. Just always remember to buy them back. Uh, I think it's a great contribution to the Bitcoin community to take a portion of your salary, put that into Bitcoin, and then spend a portion of these Bitcoin. Um, you can still make sure for yourself that every month you have more sats than you had the month before. Um, but I've been uh, buying a few things on, on Amazon lately, and I've been always paying with lightning, always paying through uh, bit refills, um, um, the vouchers. And I think it does help the Bitcoin community. I think it does help me and I can still buy these Bitcoin back. Mm -hmm. uh, agree, agree. Um, and, you know, lightning, I guess, is kind of another magic aspect when you first use it uh, of what Bitcoin can be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can, you, can you talk at all about uh, I know something that you're, you know, excited about, uh, kind of lightnings, you know, kind of space in the mind of um, uh, Hong Kong Bitcoiners. What are you seeing there? Maybe, maybe it's not all good. Our, our next, <laughs> our next virtual meetup. Um, so Hong Kong is currently easing its uh, its first real lockdown. Um, we expect to have 
meetups again in, in three weeks. Mm -hmm. But next week we have a virtual meetup, which if it fits your time zone, people are welcome to join all, all over the world. Cool. And we'll be joining with a couple of other um, Asian communities for Mint Gox, um, which is a, um, yeah, they're a game developing studio and mm -hmm. they've been building a couple of games that are fun to play with, with Lightning. I personally do have quite some hope that Lightning brings the arcade back. Um, if, you, um, if you're old enough to remember um, these game arcades that existed in the 80s um, that are currently disappearing in Hong Kong, I think, I think uh, COVID-19 puts a really a, like a deaf needle into all these remaining gaming arcades mm. that still exist. But a place where it's, it's not just- The 80s, a, how long have you been in Hong Kong? <laughs> I, well, in Hong Kong, they're still around, right? So in Hong Kong, I can still get a bit of that, uh, a bit of that uh, old school. I mean, in Hong Kong, um, I think in Japan, they still make a couple of new machines. Um, the kind of games that they make now are a lot more about um, eye-hand coordination, a lot more full body. They're more about music. They're less about shooting games. They're less mm -hmm. about racing games. Um, but I think the arcade as a business model is something that Lightning can very much bring back. Right now, if you want to develop a, a video game, you only have two options. You can do a, um, a mobile video game that you finance through in-app purchases, of which a big percentage goes to Apple and Google, um, mm -hmm. and which 30%, another thing that's been in the dark, news this week. Yeah. <laughs> Epic. Which kind of has to use these dark patterns to trick people into constantly putting more and more in. Or you go for like the big, the big name um, titles and you charge people like 50 US dollars for, for a title that they can then play on the, on the console. But there isn't really that, that niche that always existed of, of, a, of a short title where you just play, pay a quarter every time you want to play it. And where you have high scores and you have competitions, um, maybe you have a social element to it. I think this is going to be very big on a, on a cultural and creative scale. And I think that Lightning makes it possible. I think that as soon as Lightning kind of proves that there is a market for this, um, these titles will also be, I, PayPal, Venmo, they will all figure out a way to, to make these small purchases possible with, uh, with, with other financial tools too. It's not going to be exclusively Lightning, um, but Lightning is going to demonstrate um, that this is feasible and that people want it and that, um, that game developers can make money from this. Yeah, and uh, Square Crypto, uh, you know, kind of in, the, in uh, uh, Square, I guess, uh, in kind of that uh, set of companies that you've referred to, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, involved in, in Bitcoin in a big way. I think uh, Miles over there has come through Hong Kong and, yeah. and met with a lot of y'all. Hey, Miles. Uh, <laughs> hey, Miles. Uh, um, Good, good guy, and uh, and um, and so you know people are paying attention, and it's something that's uh, you know already already kind of top of mind for some of these companies. Um, uh, and the Lightning Arcade, we'll actually have a, a, a light. We had a Lightning Arcade. Uh, at, yeah, at the, uh, conference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think that's going to be big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I cool. think it's going to make it possible. Cool. Uh, also, on uh, I guess on the Square crypto side. Any any thoughts on kind of their new initiative this week on the patent side? Um, and we've seen Blockstream jump into with uh, kind yeah, of open um, patent. I think generally it's something that I uh, am unaware of, like how, how big the problem is. Um, mm -hmm. I think so far, crypto has been a bit um, maybe a bit apart from apart from um, the person who's not Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, there haven't been a lot of attempts to really patent Bitcoin ideas and, and, and target crypto companies for very simple things like lightning invoices uh, or ideas on how to do push and pull payments. Um, but I do think that will come. Um, it's great that people are thinking about that early. Um, mm -hmm. If we can help, if we can help bring Hong Kong companies into that alliance then very much want to help. Um, Bitcoin's core value proposition is still its openness, um, and same as with the internet, um, same as with Linux, 
um, it can only really be a success if, uh, if we keep the license fees out of it. Yeah, well said. <laughs> um, and uh, you, you, know, you mentioned other kind of Bitcoin companies in Hong Kong. Just as someone who's on the ground and is you know pretty in tune with what's happening there, any uh, any kind of up and coming um, groups, companies that you're excited about? Uh, you know, kind of from that 2012 2014 cohort, we've had you know Bitmex come out of that. Uh, you know, uh, Genesis yeah. Block is one. In the last couple of years, it's gotten bigger. Uh, any thoughts on stuff that's up and coming now? Any 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 or any kind of uh, ind individual entrepreneurs that you're seeing? Yeah, good um, next. I mean, right now, right now, the hottest, the hottest startup and the hottest individuals are like Sam Bankman-Fried of uh, Alameda. Mm -hmm. um, that's the hottest talk of town. Um, <laughs> not, not, uh, not exactly. Certainly. Uh, not a hundred percent Hong Kong company, but a very frequent guest. Yeah, um, yeah. So right now, people are people are watching that the most. Um, so, Bitmax contribution to the. Bitcoin ecosystem really is making the OTC markets a lot more liquid. Before BitMEX, it was very difficult to um, liquidate or source, let's say, a million US dollars worth of Bitcoin. Um, because if you went into a, an agreement, you and I would go into an agreement over a million, let's say, over a thousand Bitcoin. And now we fix in a single price for these thousand Bitcoin. And me as the seller, I will have to quickly buy these Bitcoin back in the market. And that used to be very difficult because a thousand Bitcoin, you can't just buy that off the books from, from Bitstamp or from, um, from Coinbase. Um, you would move the price. And with that price, you would suddenly, yeah, speculate on that, that price movement. You wouldn't make money from the spread of the trade. Um, but with BitMEX, you would suddenly be able to easily get a million dollars, not worth of Bitcoin, but worth of price exposure in Bitcoin mm -hmm. on the market. And then you have all day or all week to get these thousand Bitcoin back in the market. Um, that's a huge contribution. Like without, we, we often forget that without BitMEX, we wouldn't have such a liquid OTC market. And with such a liquid OTC market, we wouldn't be able to use um, Bitcoin for international, intercontinental commerce, uh, which isn't exactly the, the number one mainstream use case right now, but it's definitely happening. Um, without yeah. that, we wouldn't have, um, we wouldn't have the ability to. Um, we wouldn't have the ability to um, give access to Bitcoin to large traders or financial institutions. Um, and now, people come up with new ideas and how to make that even more liquid. Um, and so, some of these ideas are OTC derivatives. What if I can not only give you a thousand Bitcoin right now, but I can easily at a single price give you the price exposure to a thousand Bitcoin. Um, and these things coupled with an easy user interface might at first be used largely for gambling-like scenarios. Um, but as we are raising money for the Bitcoin tram, um, we also very much have the trouble of how do we now lock in our, um, our mm -hmm. price exposure. And um, of course the Bitcoin tram luckily it doesn't cost a million dollars. Um, but if we now really want to, to do something, if, if we're now really an organization that wants um, uh, to use Bitcoin for a large trade, we need something easy to use and liquid with which we can uh, protect ourselves. And even though these, yeah, even though these organizations often look like, like gambling, um, there are, enough real world use cases um, that will that are or will make use of these tools um, that um, yeah we have to be really thankful for almost um, yeah that's what makes it easy to um, to source I mean in, there are quite a few people um, who are especially but if you have two developing markets you often have massive financial difficulties like uh, finance like uh, banking difficulties it's easy enough to make a wire transfer from from the us to hong kong to the bank account of a shenzhen manufacturing company but it can be quite hard to make that same transfer between um between brazil and shenzhen or turkey and shenzhen and, and russia and shenzhen and these are quite quite significant markets and Bitcoin or Tether is being used in those transactions. Um, sadly, it's not yet easy enough uh, for these, yeah, small mom and pop um, uh, accountants 
to figure out how they can risk free his mm -hmm. Bitcoin. And I think some of the some of the current wave of derivatives markets will figure that out. Yeah, they will. interesting. Yeah, and because you because so Tether isn't a hundred percent a solution. Um, even though people very much trust it for for short times, for a week, for a month, um, but the clever thing with these 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 coming few derivatives is that assuming I'm selling you mobile phones, right? At I'm selling you um, ten thousand mobile phones. I'm selling you a hundred thousand mobile phones at ten US dollars each, right? So now we have a million dollar contract. Um, these are Dumb phones that, yeah, can they can do SMS? They can they can talk and they can open a small web browser um, with Wi-Fi on or two G. Now, I want Bitcoin from you, and I might not want Tether because of the because of the counterparty risk. Um, but if I take the Bitcoin, I have this massive price risk and that price risk is going to be with us for a while but what if i can now simply take one of these bitcoins from the from the hundred um put them into an exchange or into some kind of service um, and use that one bitcoin to get my price exposure risk on the other uh, 99 and then even in the worst case scenario um the price moves against me um, the exchange that I place is and goes bankrupt, but I don't lose a hundred percent. I lose five percent or ten percent. So these these worst case scenarios are are, are massively mitigated. And For I think sure. that's uh, um, compared to the kind of risk that these traders are taking on currently, um, where the money goes between three different intermediaries. Um, Goes everything goes through the Fed, everything goes through HSBC in Hong Kong, and none of these none of these companies have like all the proper licenses and all the proper um, all the proper papers in order. You know, like how what what ninety percent of world commerce look like, um, and so then they just have like a bill of lading, and if something goes wrong, and if somebody in between asks questions, then the money's stuck for a while. <laughs> Yeah, these yeah. kind of headaches. These kind of headaches are, are an everyday occurrence. Um, other services. So that's something that um, in Hong Kong people have tried or are trying. It's not something that has yet really reached um, a lot of um, traction. Is to figure out how to effectively do Bitcoin escrow as a service um, because that is a demand. There's demand for this. Um, there is demand to. Um, have um you kind of want like a private court right a, a company that acts as a private court for dispute settlement of what goes wrong along the way there's a there's a million things that can go wrong along the way um so we use bitcoin so therefore we no longer um we no longer need to worry about the bank freezing our transfer but we can still we might still need to worry about only half of the goods arriving or the wrong goods arriving or the, the ship um, sinking halfway in between, um, or the packaging being insufficient, or some kind of rats eating eating the packaging. Um, you can charge a good fee for that. And the beautiful mm -hmm. thing of Bitcoin escrow is that you are, compared to other escrow, is that you only need to intervene when something goes wrong. Um, so your your base cost is very very low. Like a general, the, the kind of escrow firms in Hong Kong that exist um, that only prefer to already deal with like large reputable companies um, or the banking services that the, the escrow services that the banks offer, um, they have a ton of paperwork and a ton of um, re-manual interference for every trade that they underwrite. Um, because even if everything goes well, they need to wait for the bank for the money to go into their bank account. They need to forward that money out. Um, and they need to make sure make sure they don't get scammed. Um, but in a Bitcoin escrow, as long as as long as both parties are happy, you don't actually need to intervene at all, right? You don't even need to sign. You don't even need to co-sign these transactions. 
Mm-hmm. And that's, no, that's an interesting point on on uh, how messy things really are that we don't you know think about uh, when we buy something in you know Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, yeah and the back and supply chain. Look, when when you go to the supermarket, you get a nice little product and it comes in a packaging and it's all compliant and you get a receipt and taxes are paid. But how this product really got on the shelf can be such a chaotic journey across the world. <laughs> For from sure. Various from various. Uh, factories to warehouses there can be some there can be a couple of bankruptcies in between mm-hmm. it's a miracle of capitalism that it all works and that we can organize uh you know yeah, yeah. That so it's really only and, like uh, the, the pro- <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, it, if it wasn't what? for the for the ability for everybody in between to to take a profit then things would not arrive <laughs> in your home yeah so, so uh, that kind of brings something else that got some attention this week and uh, discrete log contracts. I think we're covered uh, in, in some different ways. DLCs on Bitcoin, kind of these uh, smart contract escrow type uh, functions. Any, any thoughts on that as kind of a simple solution to this? Or you know, you're talking about kind of companies uh, being built um, for this purpose? So the kind of technological progress that I see is mainly going to be interesting for like networks like the Lightning Network. Um, that's super exciting. Um, it's very hard to foresee. I think for a lot of the services that have yet to be built, um, these services ultimately rely on, on human problems, um, on human problems of, of trust and human problems of just being able to define between you and me what a model tram is. Um, and you might have a very different idea of what mint condition looks like. Um, and I think for these, um, for these problems, we will still need human services as solutions. And it will take us a while to build them and it will not always be cheap. Um, but Bitcoin will make competition possible. Um, Bitcoin will make it inclusive. Um, and Bitcoin will make it um, yeah, Bitcoin will cut out like a big source of problems that currently evolve around these black boxes that banks are. Um, so it's not necessary. So what, when I talk about Bitcoin Estro, I'm not so much talking about the underlying technological rails because they are there. We have Bitcoin and we have multi-sig. And, um, if we have if we have things like Taproot, then great because we can make more complicated multi-sig arrangements, and that might make our services more secure or make our services more efficient but what we have yet to solve for is how do we je- how do we create a brand that is reputable and a service workflow that satisfies these two merchants um, and then we still rely on other people to solve how they can liquidate bitcoin on both ends and we still rely on some kind of efficient market for these escrow party to be able to say, as you're depositing your Bitcoin, we, this is how we keep the value fixed, or this is how we, um, this is how we protect against value swings. Yeah. Got it. All right. All right. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, that kind of vision for what can be possible. We don't, we don't want to be TAM Craven. Uh, in 1961. <laughs> yeah, no, we do want to have imagination. We do want um, people to be inspired by, by these things mm-hmm. because they might have a completely different idea and they might have a better understanding of what global trade looks like. 100%. 100%. Well, uh, Leo, man, thanks, thanks for your time. Really fun to talk through a lot of this stuff. Uh, and congratulations on kind of the massive success of the advertising. Um, you know, I think it's impressive how fast it all came together and was executed on. So. Uh, good work from the team over there, and it's been really fun yeah. to watch. Um, Thank stateside. you. Thank you. Yeah, we're quite proud. For sure. Thank you, and thank you for uh, for being interested in it. I'm very happy that you like it. <laughs> good deal. Hey, let, show us the shirt too. The, uh, the addition of one, your 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 shirt, and tell us tell us about your shirt to close out. <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin without borders. There you go. That's, Bitcoin without borders. That's our motto. <laughs> Good deal. Uh, and actually to close out, we usually do one uh, kind of a fun thing to close out. Just one recommendation can be food, culture, book, movie, uh, you know, museum, anything, but a uh, Hong Kong focus for people who uh, maybe haven't uh, done everything in Hong Kong yet or, or have yet to visit. In Hong Kong, especially if you're there right now, 
take some time to enjoy the far outlying islands. Um, there are a couple of different, um, different spots. Hop on a ferry, it might take you half an hour, it might take you an hour. Um, you're going to be in a complete different scenery, different food. Now is the great time to go hiking. You might have to book your tickets in advance. Um, whenever you do, ask if they accept Bitcoin. They there might. you go, there you go. Ask if they accept Bitcoin. Great recommendation. Uh, ferries, outlying islands, and uh, of course the, the trams also. Make sure you're behind one of yeah, the uh, Bitcoin trams. All right. It's definitely uh, always fun talking and I uh, hope to see you soon. Thank you. Yeah, I hope to see you very soon um, at the very latest next year, May in LA. There we go. LA, Bitcoin 2021. All of the content in this episode is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments. Oh,